So the goal, next three years, is to be able to continue that going, to see people coming to Christ uh, by impacting our children's area and on our property as well, the idea of having a, a park out here that people can use in the neighborhood to get another uh, person on staff, a pastoral resident, uh, and then to see another campus somewhere in Northwest Ohio launched. And so we're excited about that. Thank you for those who are able to give and making that commitment. Um, so when it comes to, to this mission that God's given us of seeing people come to Christ, the Great Commission, as the Bible calls it, obviously finances are a part of that, and so we can't help but talk about finances. But maybe even more importantly, that God has chosen to work in and through us, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ. Um, and so uh, we want to hear about that today from God's Word. But before we do that, um, I want to invite Deb Grenick to come up, and then Tina, um, Trina, I keep saying Tina, I don't know why I do Trina Wolf, come up. I need to um, help Deb here a couple things. Here's the mic. Okay, I'm going to take this over here. So just bear with us here for a moment. There go. Need that, right? And then, uh, let's see, you got, you have your glasses? Oh, yeah, here's your glasses. There you go. And then you need your notes, of course. There you go, all 35 pages. Here's your one inhaler. And then here's your other inhaler. And then, should things go really bad, here's your oxygen. So, okay, I'll be right over here. So just breathe, take your time, you'll, you'll do great. Okay, when Pastor asked me to speak on how Grace Point family helped me grow spiritually, I thought, how am I going to do this? Well, tightening of the chest, definitely going to cry, and can't breathe. So here goes. I'm not your typical testimony of someone on the road of destruction who seeks and finds Jesus Christ to become a Christian. I always felt I had to do the right thing. Remind others two wrongs don't make a right. Treat others like you want to be treated. I was a real Miss Goody Two-Shoes. I didn't know why I felt I had to set an example of doing the right thing. In fact, a few times I wanted to be the bad girl to fit in, but for some unknown reason I couldn't. I wondered why I was so different. I didn't have a church background to answer my questions, so I started searching church after church. I was baptized at the church I was attending at the time, and at that moment was reborn. I know baptism is only a public display, and it has nothing to do with accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, but that day I became a different person. Things started to make sense to me. I realized I had the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That was my aha moment. I needed to know more. About this time, my husband was permanently laid off. All benefits had stopped. I was only working 20 hours a week. We had three children under the age of 12, and I was diagnosed with cancer. We had no insurance and soon no income. All I could do was pray, Philippians 4, 6. I had the opportunity to purchase insurance. This was in October, but it wouldn't become effective until December. So I took the money and purchased the insurance, prayed, and waited till December. I asked God to grant me the blessing of raising my children. The day of surgery, I had such peace. I just knew everything was going to be okay. There was a few complications, but God was there. 
He took care of everything. I received sick pay. We had plenty of food. Our bills were paid. I can't explain how it happened, but only by the grace of God. God had blessed me so many times through sickness and other life circumstances. I needed to know more, more about why God was blessing me when I didn't deserve it. I wasn't going to church like I should. I didn't meet financially. I didn't read the Bible every day and definitely didn't pray like I should. So why was he so kind to me with all his blessings? I was not worthy of such love. I constantly asked for his forgiveness. I needed answers. Thanks to my daughter and Diana, I started coming to Grace Point. I could see and feel God at work when I entered the building. I wanted to be a part of this. I attended the classes offered here. Everyone should take them and every so often take a refresher course. They are fantastic. Bill reminded me that I should also mention that the food is really good. I make it. So many of my lifelong questions have been answered since I have been attending. Like Clark stated, like Clark stated um, in his testimony, I no longer have that empty spot. It has been filled. I finally know I am never alone and in, am truly loved and have been all along. Just knowing that I will always have eternal life gives me such peace. That is not ever taken away. I have finally learned how to study the Bible, thanks to Pastor and his sermons. He breaks the passages down so we can understand what they mean. Everyone has a season, and I have finally reached a new one, thanks to Grace Point. I can't wait to learn more, to keep growing, and being an example to others to glorify God. If you ever wondered what true Christian is, look around you. Everyone here goes above and beyond to, do, to be an example of Jesus Christ. This church is a true Christian family. Thank you for letting me be a part of this family. Trina, do you need this? You're going to be good? Okay. This would get easier the second time around, but there's more of you. <laughs> Thank you for attending. <laughs> um, so, I was, uh, I'm sorry. Good morning. My name is Trina Wolf. Um, my family uh, and I started coming to Grace Point um, after, uh, well, with the launch team. Um, Jared and I were looking for a new church. Um, and we got online and searched for churches, and there are a lot of churches and a lot of different belief systems, and it was actually very difficult to find one that actually preached the Bible. So we were very thankful to find Grace in Fremont. Um, then when Grace Point opened, we're like, oh, this is a little bit closer to home, so in a smaller atmosphere, so we'll try this one. And I'm very thankful that we did because, uh, like Deb said, we found family. This is, this is home. When Pastor Harold asked me to share, I was delivering mail at the time, and um, 
I said, well, I'll pray about it and uh, get back with you to let you know if I want to do this or not. <laughs> I didn't even have a chance to pray. The Holy Spirit just said, Trina, remember when this happened? Remember this? Remember that? And so I think sometimes God just makes it obvious and it's like, okay, you need, you need to share. But um, those many things he brought to my mind... Um, cannot all be shared today because, unlike Pastor Harold, I do not get paid by the word. So, I will begin. Um, the first thing I want to share, I kind of alluded to this earlier, is um, biblical preaching and seeing it on full display and walked out through the leadership. I'll do better this time than I did in the first service. Um, Maybe. Uh, if somebody said to me, describe Grace Point, I would say they preach God's word and they're not afraid to preach God's word. And they're not afraid to abide by it. We had been at Grace Point for a few years. I was serving and... Um, I was challenged in a few areas. Uh, Pastor Harold said some things I didn't like. (laughs) Um, They were hard to hear, but they were truth. But before I got to the truth part and I was still angry, we left Grace Point. And I'm ashamed to say that. And when I came back, I told, I had to ask Pastor Harold for forgiveness for my actions and my attitude. And Pastor Harold said, Trina, this is the word. I have to abide by this. I said, I was really angry with you. And he said, I know you were. Really? (laughs) He's like, yeah, I know you were angry, but I, I have to answer to God for how I lead this congregation. And that leads me to my next point, which is Grace Point teaches biblical standards, not man's standards. And man's standards are very commonplace. Um, They're very easy to flow with that. But God's standards are not. And I'm thankful for a pastor who leads us in truth, even when it's not convenient and even when it's painful. Number two, time with my girls. Hello, Kim. Thursday nights, if you're not attending, ladies, you really should. The environment is very welcoming. You can be real. You can cry. You laugh. Um, It is a really safe place to share what you're going through um, and not feel judged or criticized. In fact, you'll probably hear an amen, sister, I'm going through the same thing. So um, I really encourage everybody to go to Thursday nights. Number three is watching our church grow because of people living it out in their everyday lives. Um, I think we can all listen to the stories of others out in the lobby or um, uh, for me personally, when our family has went through hard times, we get texts, we get phone calls, we get cards in the mail. Um, The church family just lives out what they, they practice, what they preach. Um, 
And number four, is godly men in my son's lives. Um, I shared this in the service earlier, but it really does impact me. Even just this last Thursday, I watched Logan walking out of the doors after class and all of these men just congregating, sharing, saying, I'll pray for you, saying, I'll pray for you. You know, just having that, it is a parent's job to raise their child in God's ways, but the church is also needed. Godly men are needed. You are needed greatly. Um, and I am just very blessed to see that happening in my son's lives. And... Um, also, uh, Eli's not here, so I'll say his name now. Um, he was here in the first service. Uh, um, Hagen has spent countless hours, time, and energy um, really investing in our youth. And I know in Eli's life... Um, he doesn't always want to hear what mom says, but he will listen to Hagen. <laughs> so guess what? Mom's talking to Hagen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, so anyway, I just, I really am blessed by that and appreciate it. And um, lastly, I really have been blessed and appreciate the free coffee every morning. So to all of you who make that, you're doing a great job. Keep it up and thanks for a good cup of joe. So ordinary people, God working through ordinary people uh, to impact lives for Christ. And that's what Grace Point is being known for, uh, which is awesome. Um, and having grown up in the church, uh, and some of you who have been uh, raised in church, maybe you didn't see that. I didn't necessarily see that in my home church. Um, we, we had the Bible taught, but there wasn't much of this uh, walking with people and encouraging people and, and that type of, of thing. Uh, so I appreciate that, ladies, for sharing. And all those who shared the last several weeks, um, those are far better than the message. Um, but I got to get paid, so I better get to it. But this is what we, we need everyone to be a part of. Uh, so as we move forward and we continue the mission that we have, and that is to help people discover truth, to decide on Jesus, to demonstrate the change that comes once you've placed your faith in Christ, uh, and then to, to deploy, to serve in our church, and also to share um, the gospel with others, to share our faith with people. Everyone needs to be a part of that if you've placed your faith in Christ. Now, let me just kind of clarify a little time out here. If you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith in Christ. I just want you to hear a clear distinction that was made. Um, Deb made the clear distinction that we don't do all this good stuff. We're not this loving to people <laughs> to earn our way to heaven. Okay, Jesus Christ has done the work. We're just, now that we are in relationship with God through faith in Christ, now we're just doing life the way God says for his family to do life. I'm a Bierga, that's my last name. And if you, if you ever met my family, you met one of my brothers before, some of you, you'll see I look like my family. I act like my family, 
and I talk like my family. We're from Chicago, so we have a Chicago accent. And when I get really going, and I start come, you know, start breaking out, I start talking like this. And when you know, my brothers were like this and like that. You know, I've kind of calmed it down once I get to Ohio because you guys are so much more sophisticated in the way you you talk. Um, so people know that I'm a Bierga. Well, when we when we're adopted into God's family through faith in Christ, we are to become more and more like Christ. And so we become more and more, we look more and more like him. Um, we've talked about that. So that's what, I just want to make sure we're, we're clear on that. So if you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith in Christ, this is a good, I, you know, it helps you understand what it's going to look like should you give your, your life to Christ, ask him to forgive you of your sins. Um, because life doesn't get easier. It actually may even get a little harder. But you have God in your life who's walking you through difficult times, giving you what you need, and then you get a, a family around you. We've got, we've got people in our church who have given their lives to Christ, and they've lost their family because of it. Well, they have a family here that they're going to spend eternity with. We're unified by God the Holy Spirit, not by blood. We're unified by something far deeper than blood. Um, and so, so as we move forward, uh, as I said the last several weeks, it's not, just, it's not either you give financially or you serve you do both, all right? We're supposed to give financially, sacrificially, eagerly, and we're supposed to serve. So that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit this morning. So first, uh, Peter chapter 4, you can turn there. Um, it's page like 1214 in the Bible, if, if you're using the one there in the seat uh, around you. As you're turning, let me just kind of give you a little uh, background on what's going on here. It's always good to know uh, who the people are that the letter is being written to. And that is it. Uh, so Peter is writing to uh, um, Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. So we've got people who are being um, arrested, people who are being killed, uh, people who are losing their family members, people who are losing their businesses, all because they've chosen to give their life to Jesus Christ, to worship Christ, and not the Roman emperor or um, the, the Jewish religion at the time. And so they're, he's writing to them to encourage them, not how do you get away from it, but how do you respond to it? Because as Christians, you know, when you think about what's happening in Ukraine, and you see the Ukrainians standing up to the Russian military, if you don't realize what's happening over there, you're not paying attention to the news. Um, they're standing up in the face of persecution, if you want to call it that, as a nation. And we as Christians are to be doing that, and these guys are doing that. And so Paul, uh, Peter says, hey, listen, this is how you're supposed to respond to that persecution, you're supposed to keep your behavior excellent, as he says. In other words, you're supposed to do life the way Jesus says to do it. And then he goes on to say that if you do that, those who are persecuting you, some of those are going to glorify God. In other words, they're going to give their life to Christ because of how you're responding back to them appropriately, in kindness, in love, uh, and not retaliating like we may want to or feel. So he talks about how government, what happens when the government persecutes you? How should you respond? What happens when your boss is an idiot? How do you respond to the boss? When, when your spouse is frustrating and irritating, maybe they're a believer, maybe they're not, but a, a wife, how do you respond to a husband who you think is not doing life the way he should? Or, you know, husbands, how do you respond to a wife who, you, you know, she's not doing it the way you think she should do it? How do you respond to her? And then it goes in in more general ways. How do you respond to other people? who cause frustrations and irritations in your life, a lot of it based off of our, our faith. In 1 Peter 4, 
Peter shifts a little bit and he starts talking, okay, church, Christians, how, do you, how are you supposed to be responding? Not just to everybody outside the church, but even within the church, how should you be responding? And so when you think about it, people who are being persecuted, you would think God would give them a little bit of a break, right? Hey, you're being persecuted? Okay, so maybe I won't ask you to do as much. Maybe it's okay for you to, to go you know, hide in your house a little bit or to not talk to people about the Lord or not serve your church family. But he doesn't do that. He, he says, no, in spite of your persecution and because of the persecution, just like Jesus was persecuted and died on the cross for your sin, now you do the same thing for the sake of other people's salvation. That's what 1 Peter 4, 1 is basically talking about. And so here's what he has to say. We're going to start in verse 7, just go through 11. We're just going to take a few of these verses. And uh, Peter starts off with this encouraging word. The end of all things is near. (laughs) Well, thank you. So the end of all things is near. Therefore, because the end of all things is near, what? Be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift, a spiritual gift that we'll be talking about. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards or or managers of the manifold grace of God. So all the different ways that God has blessed us, we get to manage that and operate within that and see it at work. Whoever speaks, so a person who's teaching and preaching, is to do um, so as one who is speaking the utterances or the very words of God. And, and I just thank the Lord for those who are stepping up to want to be teachers. You know, we got Renee and Ann who helped Kim with the women. We got Clark and Greg who are stepping up. And what's, what's so fun to watch is that as they're starting to study the Bible now in order to teach it, they're getting excited about the Bible and what God has to say. It just causes this excitement and energy and and this vitality in their relationship with God. Whoever serves, so basically everybody else, if you serve in any way, is to do so as one who's serving by the strength which God supplies. So that, so the purpose we serve, employing, using this gift that God gives us, in all things God may be glorified. It's not about us. It's about what happens with God and God is going to be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. So Peter is saying, "Listen, the end of all things is near." So the first thing we need to understand as we pursue this EO three, everyone on three, the goals that we have as a church in general, but also specifically. Like these Christians who are hearing from Peter, and like Peter's telling them, we need to live with urgency. There needs to be a sense of urgency in our lives. These people knew what urgency was. One, because they believed that Jesus Christ was going to come back in their lifetime. Every generation since then has kind of thought, well, maybe Jesus could come back in our lifetime. And we look at it too, and we're like, man, the way the world is going, Jesus could come back anytime. And you know what? Right, because Jesus said, I'm gonna, I could come back any time. I'm not going to tell you when, but I, I, I'm going to come back. And so we have to live with this urgency. We have people in our lives who, if they were to die without accepting Christ, they're going to spend eternity in hell. And we've got the answer. 
The only answer that, that there is. And so we've got to have this urgency. Jesus Christ may come back in our day. We don't have that long, potentially. The first century Christians, another way this could be played out is that they're going to die. They don't have much time because they're being arrested. Some are being killed. The Apostle Paul was one of those guys who was arresting and killing people before he gave his life to Christ. And so they lived with urgency. They were there reaching people in their, their family members, their co-workers, their neighbors. They were sharing Christ with them because they knew they didn't have much time. We don't do that because we think we have a bunch of time. We don't do that because we've got it so easy. We don't have any needs. We don't have any concerns. We have everything we need. There's no urgency. I got the rest of my life. We need to have urgency. We don't know what the future holds. So we need to live with urgency. So he says, therefore, because we need to have this urgency, that means we need to change the way we think. And so we need to start thinking right. We're going to be talking more about this. The next two weeks, we're doing a series called The Counselor. And we're going to be talking about, hey, how, how do we help people in our lives who are going through difficult times? What's the best way for us to help people who are discouraged and frustrated, depressed and anxious and all that? We're going to talk for two weeks on how to do that, what the Bible says about that. I won't get into it this morning. I'll just hopefully motivate you to come back for that because I could spend, well, I'm going to spend two weeks on it. Um, we have to think right. The problem is, see, when I was growing up, we had a bunch of do's and don'ts. Christians did these things, but Christians did not do these things. And so there's this list. And some of those things, yeah, probably Christians shouldn't do, but some of those things are kind of like, really? You can't go bowling? You know, that was one of the don'ts in my life. I couldn't go bowling. Didn't make sense. And so my mom said, well, you, you can't be like non-Christians. You can't be like the world. But you know what? Do you know how a lot of Christians are like the world? In the way we think. In the way we respond. We look to the world to find out how we should think and respond. We're fearful of the same things that the world is fearful of. When we got the God of the universe in our lives, we're depressed by the same things that depress people that are not Christians. We're anxious about the same things that are that non-Christians are anxious about. We're controlled by our emotions the way non-Christians are controlled by their emotions. When we got the God of the universe who gives us promise after promise after promise after promise in His Word that gives us certainty and confidence and understanding of how we're supposed to respond to the world, we don't think right. He says, hey, I want you guys to have sound judgment. That's sozo in the Greek. Sozo friend. It's, sozo means saved. Friend means mind. Christians, he wants us to think with saved minds. Minds that are saved from how the world thinks. We don't, we're not just supposed to be thinking and responding the way we did before we came to Jesus. We're supposed to think and respond the way Jesus wants us to. 
The way Jesus thought about life, the way Jesus responded to life, the purpose for which Jesus woke up every morning. He woke up every morning since he was a baby knowing he was going to go to the cross to die for us. That's why we get up every morning. To go tell that message to people. To show people what it means to be people of God's word. Living out the promises and the certainty that are found in God's word. So that when life starts crashing down around people, we're not going, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Yes, I'm scared. No, we're not scared. we got the God of the universe. See, we live in a world that's told us now, we're believing it more than ever. We believe that we shouldn't have any problems. COVID, we shouldn't be sick from it. Why not? We're all used to being sick from the flu. People died with the flu. People had pneumonia. They died with pneumonia. I'm not saying COVID wasn't real. It was real. But who are we to think that we shouldn't have any pain in our lives? Where did that come from? What, who gave us that lie that we started believing then? And then, and then we start believing everything else. I shouldn't have any pain in my life. I shouldn't have any difficulties in my life. I've got parents hovering over their children. No, let them fall off that table. No blood, no foul. It's okay. No many tables I've... No, let's not get into it. No, we need, to, we need to let our kids struggle with frustrations and then tell them how a Christian would do that and then walk through it and then they, they, they go through it and then, wow, I got through that. And then there's a different, more difficult one. And then they go through that, doing it the way God wants them to do it. And pretty soon now they're adults and they're well-balanced. That's what the next word is, sober spirit. Not drunk, but here he's talking about drunk with our emotions. How many people are freaking out today? Literally, people don't think right anymore. <laughs> people are outside by themselves with their mask on. Now, I don't want to offend anybody who th thinks they should be wearing masks. Please do that. That's stepping a little bit further. If you're outside by yourself. Anyways, that's... <laughs> But that's just a microcosm of what we've got going on in other areas of our lives. People are fearful. Christians are fearful. Why? If we die, we go to heaven. Where we're supposed to be and will be for eternity. He says to do this for the purpose of prayer. This word prayer here is, is the one that means just the time that we spend asking God for things. Have you ever been frantic emotionally, you have emotions, and then started praying? What's the focus? The focus is usually, oh, God, help me. 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 Me, 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 me. I, 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 I. That's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to get our minds off of ourselves and onto this incredible God that we serve, who's got everything for us that we need to do life his way, to get us through that difficult time. But no, we don't do that. We, we, we focus on ourselves. And that's what Peter's trying to tell us. God's trying to tell us through Peter. For the purpose that when we're going through difficult times, when the first century ch church was going through difficult times, they needed to get together and they needed to pray. But there, it needed to be sound judgment. They needed to be thinking right in their prayer. They needed to be not controlled by emotion, but letting God work in them so that their prayer became based off of what God's word says, the truth there, the confidence there, the character of God. Jesus prayed for God's glory, for his own obedience, 
and the strength and protection of we, his disciples. That's what our prayer needs to be. But it only comes if we have sound mind and sober spirit. Then he says to love intensely. Love, self-sacrificial love. This is the agape love. This is the love that Jesus Christ demonstrated. I've reworded what I normally say to hopefully help us catch this. Loving others is sacrificing what I want so the other has what they need. You get that? Loving another person is sacrificing what I want so they have what they need. When Kim's having a bad day and she wants to have a conversation with me, what I want to do is get in my recliner, pop the TV on, and just... Because I've had a long day too, by the way, people. You know, I'm not sure what her whole day was. I had a hard day. I want to sit and watch. I deserve this. Me time. Escape to the country, son. Escape to the country. Forge. Forge and fire, son. Loving Kim is to say, no, I want this, but she needs this. And so then she comes over and she starts letting me know what's going on in her day. That's loving. And by the way, Kim does that to me more than I do for her. So if you're ever wondering, she walked up to me yesterday, like two eggs over medium with cheese on toast and bacon. I got what I wanted. Anyway, he says, hey, above all, number one priority, the first thing you do, Christians, to to non-Christians, but also to your brothers and sisters in Christ, above all, love. He says, keep fervent in that. This is a present tense. This is one of those day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what your day has been like, no matter what you've been going through, give to people what they need. and Sacrifice what you want. He says it'll cover a multitude of sins. The word means to hide or conceal or remove from sight. In other words, when we do that, see, see I don't know if you notice or not, but relationships are hard. People will say things to you that you don't like. Anybody have that that experience? Okay. People will do things to you that you don't like, that you'd prefer not to have gone through, or you shouldn't have said that to me the way you've said that to me. But when we respond to them in love, what happens is they've sinned against us, but our love in the name of Christ covers that, conceals it. We don't use it against them. We don't keep bringing it up. We don't pull up the rug and go, hey, remember that one? Put it back down. Remember that one? Yeah, but you remember when you did, that's being controlled by our emotions. Defense. It was like yesterday when I was trying to cast a vision for Clark and Hagen and Ellie about what the children's ministry should look like. Me casting a vision for what the children's ministry area should look like. Awesome ideas flow from this. 
And so I'm like, so I say that. I said, well, let me, you know, let me cast a vision for what I'm kind of seeing here. Clark, sitting in the chair, he's like this. He goes, well, let me cast a vision for you. <laughs> so upset with him. Doesn't he know who I am? <laughs> Life is hard. Relationships are difficult. We don't wait for the other person to do it right. We do it right. And we let God work in and through us, just like Jesus Christ did what was right when we needed him to do it. He didn't wait for us to change. He didn't wait for us to get good. He died for us as we were and as we are. And we're supposed to welcome others. A way that we can demonstrate this fervent love is to welcome others. Say, listen, when we, when we start doing life God's way, God's going to bring people into our lives, and He's going to bring people into our church family, and we need to be able to welcome them. This word means, it's two words together, means phylos is friendly and xenos is strangers. So we're going to be friendly to strangers. We're going to be welcoming to guests. We're going to allow people into our lives. We're not going to make people feel awkward for coming into our lives. We're not going to make people feel awkward coming into our church, a church building. He says, do this without complaint. That word means to murmur or, mu- or mutter. It's like, oh, okay, fine, if I had to do it, fine. We're, no, we're not supposed to be doing that. We're, we're supposed to welcome people in, make them feel welcomed. Now, in the first century church, Christians were traveling. They wouldn't go to a hotel because that was more like a brothel back then. So they would look for churches, and starting with the elders of those churches, they would take people in to their homes. Hospitable. Welcoming. When the Christians were being persecuted and they were fleeing their area, they went to other towns where there was churches, and those Christians let them in to their homes. We might have to do that one of these days. You're paying attention to the news. You're paying attention to what's going on in Canada. But for now, because of God's grace, mercy, and love, we get beautiful homes and opportunities to just have people come into our lives and into our church family. And then he says this, finish it up. Serve obediently. Every Christian has been given at least one spiritual gift. At the point of salvation, when you gave your life to Christ and He forgave you of your sin, He placed His Holy Spirit in you, adopted into you into His family, He gave you what He calls a spiritual gift. It's not weird. It's not strange. You're not going to levitate. You're not going to have some weird things coming out of your head. It's just a, a special ability. Uh, and it's not, again, it's not weird stuff. We have our serve class coming up on March 19th. I'll go through the 12 or 13 spiritual gifts the Bible talks about. One of them is teaching. One of them is administration. It's not weird stuff. It's, it's things that help the church grow. No one receives all the spiritual gifts. It's not a talent. People who are singing and playing instruments, thank the Lord for those, for those people, but that's not a spiritual gift. That's just a, that's a, that's a talent. It's a skill. Remodeling, skill, artwork, skill. This is a spiritual gift that God uses in our lives to help the church grow spiritually and numerically. It's a supernatural empowering. So when you get here on a, on a Sunday morning, you're serving and you're just not really up to it. And then you get in front of the doors to greet people or whatever you're going to do. And then you just come in, you start doing it. Like, wow, you know, actually, this, I actually feel good now that I'm actually doing it. That's God at work. 
That's God empowering you. It's not you just somehow coming up with your own strength. I'm going to do this. You know, it's God empowering you. Every Christian is to employ it in serving one another. This is a command. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are commanded by God to serve his family. If you're not doing that, there's a word for that. It starts with an S. It has an I and it has an N. Again, this is where Trina says, I don't like telling you that. I just say, hey, do whatever you want to do. That's what's easy. But this is what God's Word says. We are to steward it. We are to be managers of it. We are to use it. A manager moves and operates and uses it. It's manifold. It's, uh, you know, not on your engine. This is... This is a many, many fold. This is diverse. There's, there's a bunch of different spiritual gifts that God gives us and a bunch of other kinds of blessings that he gives us. And we're supposed to manage that and operate within that and see God at work. We have 55% of our church family serving in some way. 55%. That's awesome. That's above the average. But it's still 55%. So I just, you know... So awesome, way to go, you who are serving, awesome. That means we have, you do the math, 45% that need to get going. Every Christian is to serve to glorify God. It says he supplies. It means he furnishes, it's present tense. Day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how you're feeling, what you've gone through, God's going to supply you with the spiritual gift, and he's going to supply you with the power, the ability, the desire to do it, and it's going to bring him glory. There's no excuse for not serving. The first century church didn't have one. There's no excuse. You need to be serving. And when you do that, you give God glory. A lot of people say, well, I don't want to serve. I don't feel adequate. Exactly. (laughs) None of us are. None of us are adequate. And when the Bible talks about adequacy, it means be complete. It's not the, so much how we use it. I don't feel adequate. Right, that's, that's awesome. Because then when you do it, and you show yourself adequate, that's God at work in your life. God empowering you. God in strength is strengthening you. As I close, I want to read off a list of names of people who are not serving. No, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <clears throat> now, I want to read off a list of names for you. Not, you don't know any of these people. Ida Kennedy, Bud Prim, Larry and Peggy Elwood, Bob Smith, Miss Coat. I don't remember her first name, uh, but she was also my second grade teacher in school. Marvin Music, Andy Brown, Tom Burris, Don Reeder, Dave Pro- Brochek, Dave Fogel, Rich and Bonnie Wallach, Don and Lil Kassir, Jack McDonald, Jim Gross, Jeff and Carol Kasnick, Del Hendrickson, June Zaruba, Don Hur, Tim Lohan, Ernie Vesta, Wayne Anderson, and George Cheek. I'm 54 years old. A couple of these people I mentioned, I was in kindergarten. And I remember them. I remember them because, and these are just a few, because they chose to glorify God through the giftedness. And I bet you some of these people didn't even know about spiritual gifts. The church didn't really talk about those things. But they, they chose to glorify God through serving our church family and pouring it to me spiritually. So who in your past 
has chosen to glorify God by serving and pouring into you spiritually. As the band comes up, one last question. Whose list will you be on? What person down the road, as they look back on their lives, is going to list your name as one of the many people who have poured into their lives? We've got a lot of needs in our church, a lot of opportunities. We've got a children's ministry that needs people to be serving in it. Thank the Lord for those who are doing it. You, you were given in your bulletin a list of all the different ministries that you could be doing in our church. And there's a bunch here, a bunch. I, I bet some of you guys are like, I didn't even know there was that many ministries in our church, but there is. And the serve class will tell you about it. We have men. We, you know, we should be in there helping the little kids know that godly men exist. We got music and tech and impact team and remodeling, right? Thank you. Before you guys start, so I told you we had a. So this is the total between the two services. So. Um, before we started, we had about 180,000 plus that some of us kind of pre-committed. And between the two services um, is 112,787. Now, thank the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. We're not shooting for a number. But now we know that much of what we've planned, we can move forward. God's saying, hey, I'm providing as long as we continue to provide over the next three years. So that's good to know. Anyway, thank the Lord for that. But as we close out, <clears throat> first, if, if, you're, if you've never taken a serve class, take it. If nothing else, you'll get some good food. Okay? Because Deb does a great job. But you'll learn about serving, about spiritual giftedness. If you've taken it before, take it again. It's one of the best classes we do. It's, it's really fun. And then commit to serve. Take your Connect card. If you're not currently serving, take your Connect card. Mark down from this other sheet some of the areas of ministry that you're interested in. You can flip it over on the back and you can mark. Put your name on it, and we'll be sure to get you some information about that ministry so you know better how you can actually serve. But let's make today not just a commitment about finances, but a commitment about serving and doing life the way God wants us to do. Let's go ahead and stand.